There it is. All right, a half a second late there, but welcome, 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 everybody. We're excited to be here. Another beautiful week. Uh, today happens to be Memorial Day, so uh, you know, happy Memorial Day. Hope you're having a good one. All right, enough about me. Let's jump in. Practicing polyamory: real life perspectives from the imperfect people of polyamory. The mission of the Practicing Polyamory podcast is to provide a platform for all of the real-life, flawed humans that practice polyamory so that we might all learn from one another and grow as a community. Enjoy the show. All right. I don't know about you. That still always makes me want to dance. Welcome, 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 everybody on this beautiful Memorial Day. Uh, before we jump in and chat with today's awesome guest, I want to quickly remind everybody to please follow the show on all social media platforms, uh, especially Facebook, Instagram. That's where I'm most active. Uh, and subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, wherever it is that you download podcasts. You can find us everywhere at Practicing Poly A. Following and sharing is a free and easy way to support the show. And as always, I want to remind you, if you are listening, to this podcast, you are a welcome guest to be on the show. We are here to hear stories, and I want to get as many voices as possible to speak here because I know that the more stories we hear, the more representation we'll have, the more others will see us in themselves, and the more we can strengthen our community. So go to practicingpolyamory.com and sign up today. All right, that is my little spiel, ladies and gentlemen. On to the best part of the show. Introducing today's guest. <clears throat> Our guest today is an animal lover and vegetarian who enjoys farmer's markets and cooking new meals. I swear you're not on a dating show. But when I say animal lover, I really mean it. Not only does she have five cats, four carrots, and two snakes. Did I say carrots? I meant ferrets. Uh, two snakes. She also has a degree in zoology. But she's not a zoologist. She's a marriage and family therapist who specializes in working with polyam and other non-monogamous families to help them navigate relationship issues when one partner or another has OCD, depression, ADHD, BPD, and or anxiety, among a, a myriad of other things, I'm sure. So why does it matter that she's got a zoology degree? Her specialized education in animal biology provides her additional knowledge about the behavioral and biolo biological nature of stress, significant life change, developmental changes, human sexuality, and relational, relational challenges. In other words, we're animals and we function much the same as other animals. So let's dive in and see what we can learn from our guest today about how our lizard brains can help us overcome resentment in relationships. Joining us today out of Sin City, Las Vegas, welcome to the show, Nikki Beecher. Thank you for tuning Oh, I hit the wrong one. I hit the wrong one. I almost ended the show. <laughs> welcome, 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 Nikki. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Yeah, thank you, James. I'm glad to be here. All right. So diving right in. Did I did I get any of that right? Talking about lizard brain and overcoming resentment? Absolutely. So yes, that, that plays right into our reactivity versus our responses to things and our lizard brain is in charge of that reactivity so i think that'll be a good tie-in all right all right i got one right i'm i'm happy you know i really have one skill which is introducing my guests so when i get something like that right i'm gonna i'm gonna celebrate a little bit um but <laughs> all right so 
let's talk a little bit before we get into all of that technical stuff. Let's talk a little bit about uh, who you are, what brought you here. Uh, in other words, your polyam journey and what inspires you to serve the polyamorous community as a therapist. Ooh, very good. Um, so I, I was hoping you would bring this up because I was trying to explore today, you know, where I came about this notion that I could be in relationships with multiple people or have different, um, different people in different capacities in my life. And I feel like it probably started when I first started dating when I was a teenager. Um, I remember, sadly enough, I left my first uh, longer term boyfriend because I wanted to date other people. And then I went straight into dating two people at the same time. And then I decided to disclose because I felt like that was the right mm -hmm. thing to do. Neither one was very happy about that. Uh, we ended up splitting all me and both of them. Mm -hmm. But I think that's where I would have first realized that maybe this this is something that I am at my core and uh -huh. that would continue into my life. Um <laughs> So as I progressed, I actually entered a non-monogamous or ethical non-monogamous relationship because of um, having to move and the distance and then wanted to give us the freedom to still enjoy each other, but mm -hmm. also, um, you know, have a more local set of partners. And so ever since then, uh, that's when I kind of decided that any relationship I'm going to enter from there on out, it needs to, to know that this is an important aspect of, of who I am. Um, and it's been great ever since. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So you just kind of knew it from the beginning and you even entered into an LDR relationship. Um, and that's, that's, I mean, I, what was that like? How old were you and, and what is it like? I mean, I, I don't have experience personally in being in a LDR. And especially when we're talking about, um, you know, today's subject, overcoming resentment, I feel like that would be even harder in a long distance relationship. So uh, can you kind of give us a little bit of insight on that, how you nav navigated that and maybe what you might tell a client if they were uh, experiencing that? Yeah. Well, first it started, we, we lived locally in the same place, but I knew it was going to be temporary because I was going to go to grad school in Las Vegas to become a therapist. So I think I was 22, 20, yeah, 22 at the time. Um, mm -hmm. And so I, I really liked this person and we, we vibed really well. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, but I had to be clear with them, like, listen, I'm not going to be staying here forever um, because I was in Alaska and so I, you know, eventually our relationship would either end or we would have to continue in that long distance style. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we decided to continue that. Um, it was very hard, especially being as busy as I was as a student and mm -hmm. uh, traveling back and forth. And so we really had to um, make a point to communicate our needs as much as possible. And, you know, also we gave each other a lot of, a lot of space and mm -hmm. in time to explore because I was still I think just emotionally developing then to become who I am now later in life mm -hmm. um and so it gave me the space to do that and kind of like even explore my new my new surroundings and situation and I allowed him to do so as well 
Um, so clients come in and they have questions about long distance relationships. I've noticed a lot, a lot of people that I work with have some sort of dynamic where they have to travel um, frequently, but it really it does allow them a lot of space to see other partners vocally and not have to worry about, um, you know, taking time away from one person or another because mm-hmm. they only have access to certain partners at certain times. Um, so I, you know, I really support that, that part of the of the polyamorous um lifestyle or or orientation that it allows us to uh you know get some some new experiences by being out mm-hmm. of town sometimes um people find very creative ways to stay in touch you know people will talk on discord with their partners they'll talk you know uh, with technology facetime and stuff so you can really still get um, that that closeness because you can see them in a lot of these forums for communicating. Um, so yeah, I don't know if I answered your question there, but <laughs> <laughs> well, let's try let's try coming up with uh, with some kind of an example. So um, I'm thinking of potential reasons why there might be resentment in a long distance relationship. Can you think of any? Um, that would probably mostly be the time, money, and energy resources that are required mm-hmm. to maintain that type of relationship style. Sometimes if one person's having to travel, uh, they're the ones that either can travel or have the means to travel. They're the ones that are are putting a lot of their, their time and financial resources into that, and that can build some resentments. Um, knowing that your partner gets to spend a lot more one-on-one in-person time with other people besides yourself is not necessarily anyone's fault, but it can breed that, that feeling of like, man, I wish I could have more kind of thing. So those, those are probably my ideas for that. All right. So I'm hearing, uh, the resources that you said, time, energy, and money. Mm -hmm. Uh, and the other is jealousy. I mean, those two are so like corollary is that is that the right word like yeah like correlated yeah yeah so those two things almost can be like one one in the same one partner is experiencing the jealousy because the other one doesn't have the time energy and resources so let's just say it's a very general term right it's a very general topic but what are the steps what are the first early steps that a couple can take if they're having this kind of a situation um, well, I see a lot of people in individual therapy that can help work on some of these uh, things and just really teaching people. I, I spend a lot of time teaching people like how to communicate with their partners and even mm-hmm. just how to bring up difficult topics and feelings. Um, because I noticed like one of the main issues is when we avoid our true feelings about something because it's going to be either mm. like hard or painful or it might be painful for the other person and I noticed people tend to avoid bringing stuff up because they don't want to hurt the other person Ooh. however that generally ends up backfiring because mm-hmm. what the, then you're not being true to yourself and they also don't get to make decisions based on your true feelings because you're not articulating them so I spent a lot of time helping people explore um, how how they would introduce ideas to their partner, maybe changing up the dynamic. You know, some people want their long distance partner to be their boyfriend or girlfriend or what have you. Some of them just don't put a label on it and there's someone they visit every so often. And all these relationship 
styles or our orientations are are valid but sometimes we have to like help people lean into the natural style that their relationship like organically transitions to Mm -hmm. um and so because of long distance relationships they can't see each other so often sometimes there's there's a lot of um chosen distance in between uh the times that they see one another and that's just as valid as someone that you talk to every day and you text good morning to and all that good stuff so sometimes people just need to lean into what works for them and that other person and they don't realize that there's like a whole spectrum of options of how involved i guess you guys are with one another Um, (laughs) i wasn't aware that was something a person could do (laughs) (laughs) i mean that it's pretty true though people just don't know like you said that they have other options and so they keep trying to essentially force a round peg in a square hole right Mm -hmm. and yeah that's that's definitely not going to work um so it sounds like communication obviously is is a huge thing um making sure that we're on the same page allowing that the natural progression of the relationship it kind of gets me to thinking about expectations and how a lot of people will come into a relationship with certain expectations and when the relationship doesn't meet that expectation they are disappointed or hurt or you know all of these different feelings so what would we say if we're entering you know, if we're maybe new into a real, into a long distance relationship or any relationship, um, let's talk about expectations and how uh, setting the right expectations or communicating expectations can help us prevent future resentments. Ooh, that is a great point because sometimes I get clients that have already enacted some sort of dynamic um or agreement and it it's already not working and that's why they come and see me but uh if we can get ahead of it or at least uh start early i think people need to talk about what they feel like they may need in terms of time uh what they may need in terms of communication like how frequent and in what matter manner such as like some people just text the whole time some people talk on discord and then some people have you know full video chats with those partners every night um but you can have, be wildly different in what you want from your partner uh at, than what they want from you so mm-hmm. first i think it's just talking about like parameters like how often how much are we going to come see each other is it once a year is it once a month um so and and those things can be really painful if you're wanting to see your partner more and that was not their expectation um so yeah today junior i love the little clips So setting good expectations, uh, especially around the amount of time, around the uh, type of communication uh, you you were talking about, um, what type of communication and and like how frequently, I mean, when do we, trying to think here, like when do we set these expectations and when are they open to negotiation? Mm. I have the belief that everything in a relationship is a rolling negotiation because 
I've seen couples that anyone who's been together longer than like four or five years, mm-hmm. you're a pretty, you're pretty different that, that for the most part than you were at that time, especially if we are, you know, in our twenties, I think when we're entering that relationship, but even older individuals um, really recreate themselves more often, I think, than people realize. And so having just continued dialogue is of utmost importance and bring I think bringing things up when you feel them or when you think them and sooner rather than later uh I think I said earlier sometimes we just wait way too long to be authentic with our partners Mm -hmm. for various reasons that are pretty good reasons um but then we don't give them the opportunity to to negotiate what that means for them what whether it's we decide you know, we want to take on more partners ourselves, or we want to dial back on on this relationship, or, um, you know, if we're going through a stressful life event, we may change drastically because our priorities are going to change. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think as soon as you know it, you should say it. As soon as you know it, you should say it. That kind of goes back, ties back to the other thing you were saying, which was about having hard conversations. Um a wise man once said, a friend of mine once told me, uh, <laughs> that uh, the level of success that you can expect to have in your life is uh, corollary to the number of difficult conversations that you're able to have. What, what do you think about that? Oh, say it one more time for me. The amount of success that you can have in life is equal to or, or it is, is in conjunction with the number of uncomfortable conversations that you're able to have i love that well for one therapy is just a series of talking about things that you probably (laughs) don't necessarily wish to talk about which is why sessions are only 50 minutes or an hour long because we would get flooded with all of those emotions and stuff Mm. uh, if it were any longer so um i really do think there's there's power to that uh even just being the flawed humans we are we make mistakes and stuff Mm -hmm. and it's not a matter of avoiding making mistakes in life it's about how we handle it after the fact and how we respond to whatever happened and so that requires like i for example if we did something that uh such as like crossing a relationship boundary that we know that is going to upset our our partner um bringing it to the table is the most usually the most ethical and um i don't know empowering thing you can do it is to talk about it and be honest and forthright and without those conversations the harm just continues um so that was that was really wise of your friend who said that i like that a lot 60 <laughs> percent of the time it works every time Every time. Um, But actually what you said there, uh, if you make a mistake, whatever, whatever the case might be, whatever the situation is, you said it's empowering to bring it to the table. You said it could be embarrassing and yeah, for sure. It's, you know, but empowering. Can you tell me about how, how it's empowering? Hmm. Well, because when, when we do something that we know is outside of our character or our values, um, we want to get realigned to those values as quickly as we can to be like comfortable in ourselves. Mm-hmm. So if we can do the right thing after doing the, the wrong thing, we like realign ourselves with our inner self, our values, our the things that are important to us. Um, and so that ends up feeling really 
really good for people. Um, I tell people the more congruent, I, like congruent, like the math term, where mm -hmm. the shapes are the same shape and size, and you can they match it up, <laughs> the closer we can get to congruent to ourselves, the more uh, at peace and like well-being we tend to feel. Um, and so, being honest about mistakes and having true, authentic apologies, and uh, allowing your partner to make choices based on your mistake, whether it's you know they they choose to forgive you, or you guys need to go to counseling. Or they may not forgive you, and that is their prerogative. But you've given them that opportunity, and you've honored yourself, and you've honored the other person. And to me, that's empowering. Well, that's cool, baby. I mean, you know how it is. <laughs> he was he was he was avoiding his feelings in that scene, but whatever. We won't talk about that. Um, <laughs> Oh shoot! I kind of lost my thought there, but I was thinking about uh, it being empowering, and oh, I'm trying to get back to it. It doesn't matter. <sighs> okay, fine. I'll jump into the uh, the congruence. I love I love that word. Uh, it feels better than or not better, but but it feels different than aligned, which is another one that I hear, and that one feels more like mystic, spiritual. But like mm. congruent is just. You know, it speaks uh, to to authenticity, which is definitely something that I'm huge proponent of. Um, but it also sounds like uh, removing that guilt, like taking that weight off of your shoulders and just saying, hey, you know, this is what happened. Um, but, you know, a lot of times that that doesn't happen. People will cheat in a relationship and they'll just, you know, hold that secret to the grave or whatever. I mean, is there... I don't know, a misalignment or, or an incongruency there? Um, do people just, eh, I, I won't worry about it anymore. And like, they're able to just br brush it off. Uh, very rarely. I think a few people I've seen are able to do that without that guilt or, or feeling as though they've done something wrong. But for the most part, people really, it eats at them. Uh, they avoid reminders of that too. And that's what's kind of difficult is that uh, it's going to come up in subtle ways throughout your relationship. The fact that you're holding on to something and you may not even be in control of that. Like our subconscious, I believe, holds on to some of those thoughts. And, um, you know, you may slowly poison your relationship by holding on to that information without even thinking that that's occurring. Hmm. You know, you may build some distance between you and your partner emotionally and have no idea why you're doing that. And a lot of times my belief is that the source is you're holding on to something that that doesn't align with who you are or um, or would it would be more respectful if your partner had known about this. So, you know, for the most yeah. part, I don't think we can't, we can like uh, circumvent the guilt unless, <laughs> you, um, unless you lack empathy, which is fine in some conditions that yeah, people have. Some people do. Like, we were on a break! <laughs> <laughs> what is he <laughs> Oh, that was perfect. We were on a break. Oh, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. Okay. I feel like we got a little bit off topic here, but kind of bringing things back around uh, since we were talking about the biology of it. Um, and I mean, just, just tell me, let's, let's start with the basics and you know, how, uh, 
the the bio- biological effects of things like resentment and how that might show up in relationships. Ooh. Okay. So if we're harboring resentment, like we're feeling some sort of like in like we're feeling indignant towards the other person or we're like attributing pain we're feeling to other people's actions or behaviors. Um and so it's a really it's a really icky thing to feel. I'm sure everyone's probably felt this at some point in time Mm -hmm. and it can lead to a lot of like tension in your body it can lead to things like anxiety and depression or feeling like out of control in your own life um you know so it's hard it's hard to tie this into our full uh, biology because I don't know if this is a very primitive feeling or not I suppose if someone um, you know, stole your, stole your crops back in the day, you're going to hang on to that information because you, you want to protect yourself basically. So you were like, okay, that person's unsafe or, or that group of people is unsafe because they've taken something that was mine. And then you might have that resentment to, uh, as a reminder to keep like, um, to be wary of, of that person or to be mistrustful or that they're not on your side. So if I apply that, I suppose, to relationships, um, you're you're creating distance between you and your partner because you've decided that there's someone to be uh, to either not be trusted or that you have to keep an eye on and be wary of because you've been hurt. Um, and ultimately, I, I really think people should work through those resentments as soon as possible, because like I said, it's going to creep up in strange mm-hmm. ways if you don't address it. You're going to, you know, maybe be more passive aggressive towards your partner or something like that without right. even knowing that's why you're doing that. So is that how- I didn't think you had it in you. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was good. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So. Once again, I did it again. I lost it. I lost it. I, I I have these thoughts and I'm like, oh, this is a really good question. And then it's like I come back and oh man, where was I gonna I go? I know how that? that feels. Being a therapist, I ask lots of questions and sometimes I'm like, Oh, I'm on this train, and then they say something else, and I'm like, Oh my gosh, you're gonna have to give me a second. Tell me <laughs> I love it, I love it. It's all good. It's not I like I believed in you for a long time, okay? <laughs> So getting all of this into the realm of polyamory, I mean, you specialize in working with polyamorous families and individuals, non-monogamous folks, um, where, I mean, where doesn't it show up? Uh, Like, what do you see when you talk to people about resentment? Because this is what you said is one of the, one of the most important things uh, in that you've learned, right? Is that people will let resentments simmer and poison their relationships from the inside out. So when you see this, I assume in any relationship, but specifically in polyamorous relationships, how does it show up? Mm, Okay. I would say some of the time it shows up because you're feeling some sense of distress. Um, You know, you may be feeling, uh, animosity towards your partner uh, I think like I said earlier sometimes we'll become like passive aggressive and that means there's something that is not being said we're we're keeping things within um, and it's uncomfortable to do that because we want to make 
joint decisions and negotiations with the other person. So um, sometimes I guess I would see that people would start spending more time with their other partners. Mm -hmm. They may not be as conscious of respecting uh, parameters or boundaries, whatever we want to call them in the relationship, um, because they feel maybe justified due to mm -hmm. the resentment. And then it just creates a whole nother world of harm <laughs> when that happens. So those are some of the examples that, that come to mind. Um, you know, it, it ends up leading to us devaluing the other person's feelings sometimes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what, what we need to do is either we need to find acceptance and forgiveness in, in the other person so that we're not like harboring this. And that requires talking about it usually with them and having them like really hear us and be able to reflect and sit with us in those feelings. Um, or we need to, to talk about it and decide, you know what, this is something that we're not going to be able to, to reconcile with one another. Um, and that may mean we need to, to, pursue other options with our relationship style maybe it needs to change or maybe we, we we're not going to be compatible together if we can't get through this kind of thing now let's say that you want to have this conversation with your partner there's some kind of a, of a resentment there's something going on and you want to have this conversation with your partner but maybe you don't feel safe Right. Maybe I don't feel safe to have this conversation with my partner, uh, not fearing for like my physical safety necessarily, but just, you know, I don't feel that we can have this conversation. And, you know, I think that we should go to a therapist, but my partner says, nope, I don't want to go to a therapist. So I come to see you as my therapist. How are you going to tell me to have this conversation, uh, you know, that I'm afraid to have because if i have this conversation i think it's just going to turn into a fight mm. yep very very common issue so first it's helpful just to practice um articulating these thoughts and feelings with another person present so being able to just come to me individually and tell me what you're thinking and i can help um you know formulate some healthier ways to put these things into words that mm -hmm. your partner might find more palatable or acceptable um, because usually we're afraid our, of our partner becoming possibly defensive or something like that or turning it on us and also blaming us for things in the past and so um, first we're going to practice communicate communicating that we're also going to you know use a lot of I statements as as is very common in therapy world where we're speaking mm -hmm. from my feelings and not telling you anything about what you're doing or feeling necessarily. Um, but just the, the behavior that we, we were feeling distressed by or whatever emotion we're having. Um, and then at some point, sometimes I do have the partner come in if they're willing, if they can see that their partner is feeling better from, from some therapy, uh, they can come in and have a safe place to have that uh, negotiation where, or that conversation where I can also help, um, again, everybody use their words um, very carefully mm -hmm. and they can ensure respectfulness of one another. I can enact like, you know, sometimes we need to take a break if our emotions get too heightened. Um, you know, I'll be able to tell them that. And so the conversations tend to go a lot better in the in the therapy room. Um or, you know, sometimes they will take it home with them and, and they'll feel empowered on what they want to say because we've played through lots of possibilities on how their partner might re react or respond. Um, and they feel really like prepared to handle whatever might, might come out of that. 
hopefully that makes sense. It absolutely does. And I wonder if you have a uh, basis for comparison, because um, as I'm as I'm hearing you explain the conversations that we would need to have with our partner, I imagine that a therapist specializing in non-monogamous, polyamorous, et cetera, relationships would have a different way of approaching these conversations than someone that doesn't have that experience or that background or support, you know, it just just doesn't come from that kind of an informed background. So I wonder if you can speak a little bit to, uh, you know, how you would have that conversation specific to polyamory and non-monogamous relationships compared to somebody who just doesn't have that training. Mm. Well, one thing that's coming to mind is that even in monogamous relationships, there are a lot of expectations or uh, needs that get assumed um, from the get-go because there's, I guess, this structure that we think it automatically exists in a monogamous dynamic. So I think working with the polyamorous community and training myself in that actually helped me work with couples who, who do monogamy as well because there's no assumptions it's taking all assumptions off the table and starting mm. from scratch like okay is, is it appropriate for me to text my ex in this relationship you know and i don't you know i may not know how my partner feels until we talk about that is it appropriate mm -hmm. for me to have uh, an emotional online connection with someone else yes or no and th those questions are the same in a monogamous relationship they just go they tend to have a lot more assumption that right this is yes this is no can i follow my previous partners on instagram yes or no with non-monogamy or polyamory all of that we don't we're, we don't know we have no idea where the parameters lie until we discuss it um so ultimately i think it's wise for all clinicians to be aware of the fact that relationship styles are not one size fits all um even if they do fall under the uh, monogamous umbrella and um you know seeing so many different people with so many different styles dynamics ways of relating uh has really opened my mind to the possibilities of of you know fitting your relationship where it works you know that organic unfolding of the of the relationship um so i think it, it usually starts with conversations about needs preferences wants um you know things that you want to try that you're open to that you're interested in uh, a lot of i conversation around ideals priorities values mm -hmm. um that's where i would start those type of conversations that was super insightful that was that was really good stuff there um <laughs> wow <laughs> <laughs> that was good that was good that was that was a whole that that was all a whole clip right there we're, we're gonna we're gonna be sharing that one for sure um <laughs> Nikki, I want to thank you so much for uh, spending some time with me here today. Um, before we go, uh, mm -hmm. would you tell, especially for our listening audience, we got a, pop, a lot of people listening on the podcast. Uh, if somebody wants to work with you, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, so I do have my website um, that's there at the bottom. That's mftnikki.com. Uh, I have a Facebook page for, for my professional um 
presence, I guess, and that's Caritas Counseling on Facebook. And so my email is on my website all over the place. Uh, my client safe phone number is on that website as well. So, you know, I'd be happy to have people email in and touch base with me uh, via those those means. And where uh, do they have to be located in any specific place? So in order to be a client of mine, you do have to reside somewhere in the state of Nevada. Um, you know, if people just want to reach out with with their questions or comments, feel free to email me anyway. Um, but yes, sadly, you must live in my state due to my licensure to work with me. Cool beans, cool beans. All right. Well, it has, like I said, been an absolute pleasure. I just want to say thanks again for uh, spending some time. Yeah, it was really fun. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. And thank you, as always, to our live audience for tuning in today. As a reminder, when we're live, you get no commercial interruptions, but the same can't be said for those podcast downloads. So if you want to avoid the commercial interruptions, be sure to catch us live Monday through Wednesday, 2.30 Pacific time, or sign up for Patreon, where you'll get access to our commercial-free RSS feed and support the show. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube, wherever it is that you download your podcast, if you haven't already, and please leave us a review. We'll really appreciate it. Thank you all so much. As always on this memorial day have a nice day thank you for tuning in to the practicing polyamory podcast would you or someone in your polycule like to be a guest sign up at practicingpolyamory.com and join the conversation please support us by subscribing liking and following us on social media at practicing polya by clicking any of the affiliate links on our website or by subscribing at patreon.com slash practicing polya Oops.